0: when you Angie that download the free Angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a n g i . c o m
1: hey guys welcome back to thick and thin with me Katie Bellati and I got to say, this episode is one of those just chatty, little like girl talk episodes. I have a million and one things to discuss with you guys, none of which is too structured. I got to say, I think a lot of this episode is really just going to be me kind of, what do they say, flying by the seat of my pants, just kind of (laughs) rambling, talking to you guys about things that, you know, if we hadn't seen each other for a while, we're just going to sit at brunch and catch up and that's what we're going to do, so Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, I actually had to take a break from eating some cookie dough right out of the container to record this, so you guys must be very special. (laughs) I have to say, though, it is healthy cookie dough, okay? Not that it matters at all. I love unhealthy cookie dough, I love healthy cookie dough, and I eat both of them right out of the container, but this one, it's actually, it's enhanced cookie dough, so it's called dough. I I keep saying do in my head because it's D-E-U-X, but I think it's dough. That would make sense, right? So... It's vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, immunity cookie dough, whatever that means. So I feel a little less guilty eating it, but I'm going to try to make it into cookies later tonight, so stay tuned for that update. We'll see how it turns out, but I have to say it's very good. The chocolate chip flavor, divine. I've just been chowing down in it, planning out this episode in my head kind of partially, mentally, I sat down to record this this morning. It's now the afternoon and I just couldn't, I don't know what was up with me this morning. I just couldn't focus. I I just couldn't do anything to be honest with you. So I just want to validate that sort of feeling that a lot of us get sometimes where, you know, despite the fact that we can't do something, we typically have to do it anyway, you know, if we're at work or school or whatever, it's not like we get to choose these things, but with creative careers and things of that nature, with art, with certain works that you do just rooted in so much love you get these moments where you're like i don't know what's wrong with me everything just feels wrong everything feels bad and rushed and incomplete and horrible literally everything that i've worked on today has felt just not great and that is just life that is just how it goes sometimes because i feel in creative realms even just in a, a realm where you're passionate just whatever you do whatever you you do and love, there's only a certain amount of like energy you get, really. And when you run out, you run out and you got to recharge. I think people really sleep on the whole recharging element of creativity, of hard work. You have to find time to recharge. And no, recharging isn't necessarily working you know, just extremely hard all week, Monday through Friday, and then drinking on the weekends with your friends, that doesn't necessarily count as recharging for everyone. Like for me, even as an extroverted person, I feel like I need to recharge often, just be by myself, like fully by myself, have my phone, like who knows where, and just be with myself. And it usually comes after a big project is released or something like that and I just feel like it's just been a lot or like a very big social situation like I remember in college it would always come right after like formals or away weekends with fraternities and things like that I would just need to be with myself and completely recharge and I always felt like weird about it I'm like wait but I'm an extroverted person like I am bubbly okay why like I mean also part of that was probably me like convincing myself I'm fine I'm fine I'm great I'm fabulous I'm perfect which that's a flaw within itself or not a flaw but an an area of concern for college Katie but anyway so yeah so I felt that I needed to take the morning to recharge which I did and I felt guilty every second of it (laughs) so I'm on here to uh, just chat with you guys about that feeling, about the guiltiness that I felt with the recharge and also just me having this like weirdly introspective day where I was like, or I guess not weirdly because I'm always very introspective, always looking in, always trying to think of like what I'm, what's going on? Why do I actually feel this way? Why did I react like that? Like I am my own therapist sometimes. I feel like that's why I need one because I'm always just like trying to to rationalize things and I'm I'm constantly wrong. Anyway, so I was like very in my head today, very in my thoughts, and I was thinking about how I'm like, God, Katie, you're so sensitive. You are so sensitive. You let everything get to you. Like there's a few things I've just spoken to friends about recently and just things I've dealt with past flames, significant others from years past, and just thinking to myself, gosh, life would be so much easier if I wasn't so sensitive, if I didn't let things hit me so hard, if I just could create without attaching myself to things and could just figure out what I'm really good at and just like just stop like overanalyzing, stop overthinking so much to the point where it like just rules my life. And I'm definitely one of those people that doesn't like when I don't have control over things, especially control over my my day. Like, you know, something like for example, this is like a funny example, but I feel like everyone can relate to this. You sit down to like do something important and all of a sudden like just something happens outside your window. Like there's like something like construction or something, something just occurs and you are so angry at these people for doing their job and like, I don't know, like bulldozing or tearing up a street or something like I mean like me living in New York City just this is always happening there's always something just inconvenient happening outside but that's just New York and a lot of us just learn to tune it out but being someone that relies on audio and filming and creating in peace it really bothers me and so when I feel like a lack of control like this morning when I sat down to record and I just could not get the words out I could not get any anything I was recording this morning I was doing some Instagram stories as well and just everything was flopping I was just getting so overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, cool. So I'll just take the morning off. I'll just like journal or do something else. And that's when I just tumbled into another idea of like, why am I so sensitive? Why am I this? Why am I that? And then guys, I turned that, I turned that lemon into lemonade. And here we are talking about it on the podcast a few hours later, because I got to work typing away, type, type, typing away. That is the perk of my job. Yes. If I am flopping in one area. It usually is content for another area because I am a creator, but I'm also a thinker and a speaker and a all the things, the ers that I do. And so I was just doing some deep thinking, you know, a la Carrie Bradshaw and typing away on my computer. And I'm like, why do I let the, the sensitive word, like why do I let that just make me feel so less than, like less than? Why do sensitive people, why do we constantly think that that's a flaw of ours? Why do we think that analyzing things and just, you know, acting maybe a little bit dramatically sometimes in social situations and having to get out of there and like just feeling like you need to be by yourself? Like, I like to say that I I think I'm an introverted extrovert because I am bubbly. I am good at talking to people. I am one of those people that puts myself out there constantly. But I need those times to recharge, and sometimes I can be very private, but I think it's the most private people that make you think that you know them and you know their life, but there's always those things they keep locked away. And so I think sensitive people, I think us overthinkers, us super introspective people, us people that get overwhelmed easily, I think that there's a lot of power in who we are, and so I wrote down a lot of things about that today and I want to talk about them with you guys because I think there's a lot more of us out there than we'll, we'll ever let on. I mean, I am the queen of sitting down on a first date and trying to pretend like I am the least sensitive person ever. Like I am, you know, just the most sexy, uh, exciting, no cares in the world. Let's do something crazy. Let's just do something spontaneous because that is what we're conditioned to believe I mean, in my situation, like, men want a really fun, crazy, exciting girl. Like, they want the Kate Hudson character from any rom-com, okay? They want – like, I've just been watching way too many rom-coms recently. They want the the Jen Aniston, too. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, all those characters from those just very classic films where – I just that's just what we were brought up with and the bread and butter of, of who I wanted to be when I was old and had boobs. And now I'm in that setting where I'm in New York City and I'm going on the dates with the guys and I can be that girl. But when I am that girl, I I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I'm like that oh gosh, I am not that chill. I really am not that chill. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't survive in Los Angeles longer than 8 months. Don't get me wrong, I liked LA. I've I've talked about this before. I liked the vibes of it. I liked the energy of it, but I don't think that I am chill enough for Los Angeles. I think that I just, I came in so hot to LA thinking I could be this person. And I soon realized, you know, I mean, it it just didn't agree with me. It's like eating a food that you're just kind of sort of a little bit allergic to, but like not fully allergic. Like sometimes I'll eat an orange and I have like a sensitivity to citrus. I sometimes my, my mouth does this weird thing and I'm I'm slightly allergic but like not to the point where I can't eat it that's how I kind of felt about LA <laughs> and I think it's because I really enjoyed it because my friends were there my like best friends were there and it was it was constant fun and the beach was cool and whatever but I just I was just too <laughs> not uptight but I was just too whatever I am I just I don't know I think too much I don't know or maybe not too much, but too much for what I thought that I could be if I was there, okay? If that makes any sense at all, probably doesn't. But I am a certain kind of person, and I started to try to push that person away from me, like try to separate from that person that I am, that introspective, very analytical, always thinking, always just wondering what if, what if, what if, or why is this person like that, or why is the sky blue, and I'm always asking these questions. And I used to when I was in LA, I really started to hate that version of myself and started to try to push her away. And in actuality, that just wasn't good for me because then I didn't have anything left. I didn't have anyone underneath that. Like, it's like when you are, I don't know, redoing a house and you notice like, oh, you know, there's, there's probably some brick behind this wall that we can repurpose or like, you know, sometimes they cover up really beautiful things in remodels. And you, if you're flipping a house or going in to try to take that away and get back to the, the original charm of the house. And sometimes when you're peeling away the layers, you know, you get to a point where it's too late. And what if you had liked, I mean, what if you're taking a gamble because you're, you're ripping out the wall, hoping there's something pretty behind it. But what if there isn't anything under there? And what if it's not promising and the plaster that's on top is better, but you ruined it? Trying to get to whatever's behind it. Trying to get to whatever's better. And you ruined what was already there. Anyway, me with my analogies, just throwing them at you. Throwing them down your throat, basically. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I am a sensitive person. I feel things very deeply. And for a long time, I have been very ashamed of this side of me. Because, like, you guys know that the people on social media and, like, the people that we even grew up with. Like, I remember... As a really dorky little kid, I had these girls that, you know, that I became friends with through YouTube in the beginning back when I was like 15 years old, and I was going to these conventions with my mom, and <laughs> I was so young that I couldn't even get a tax ID number, like that young, and I remember meeting these girls who were maybe not more than two years older than me that now you all know very well, I'm sure, but I was just looking at them and thinking, wow, they, can, they act in such a way that I wish I could. Like, they just exuded this confidence, which, of course, that doesn't mean that they were fully aware of that or fully feeling that themselves. It could have been an act. It could have been a number of things. But to me, someone that is super aware of themselves, super conscious, and sometimes to a total fault where it prevents me from acting in ways that I want to, like, it just, it was aspirational for me. And so I, a lot of times, did a lot of things in my youth that I wasn't comfortable with, that I didn't want to do, even as someone who can talk to a brick wall. Like, I'm very good with people, but sometimes I did some things in social circumstances. Why did I say circumstances like that? In social situations, I did some things that I wasn't extremely just wanting to because I wanted to be that girl. Like, I wanted to be that character that I convinced myself was just so, so cool that it, that they would never fail, you know? Um, and so I denied myself the option of just being that person that is sensitive and really thinks through a lot of things and, you know, isn't, isn't super bold and all the things. I denied myself that because I thought it wasn't cool But I'm here to say, guys, this is a love letter to all of you sensitive people out there. This is a love letter to people like me. A love letter to all of my fellow sensitive AF girls and boys out there. Anyway, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more because last night I actually grabbed some sangria with a friend of mine, my friend Emma, She's also a graphic designer so luckily our hours are flexible and she texted me actually yesterday at like 3.30 and was like, hey, do you want to get some drinks? I'm like, Emma, it's 3.30 on a Monday and she's like, so? I'm like, you're right, we can do that but I had a few things so I was wrapping up something I was doing yesterday and then I was like, okay, I'll meet you and I totally just pretending like I uh, don't have personal training twice this week and I'm trying to not drink as much, whatever, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get sangria." Whatever, Um, make my day a little bit brighter. Yesterday was actually a beautiful day, so it was really great to sit outside and like just have some vitamin D, some air. So we were sitting at uh, our drinks, our happy hour. We actually made happy hour. I never make happy hour, I always end up later than happy hour, like everywhere I go. And I'm like, why can't, like, why is happy hour only? from like five to seven, like, you know, isn't seven and beyond also a happy hour? I feel like it's happier in some, you know, situations. Anyway, I digress. So we're sitting at at drinks and we're talking about our jobs and about our clients and things like that. The things that we understand and naturally our conversation drifts into various places and we're talking about ex-boyfriends and lovers and, you know, the city and how things are about to just Evolve and change now that the vaccines are rolling out. And hopefully, in the next month or so, like everyone in New York will be vaccinated. I don't know exactly how long it's going to take, but I mean, we're here sitting, it's the 30th. People 30 plus can get the vaccine today. And then by the 6th, everyone above the age of 16 can get it. So I'm really excited. I'm going to try my very best to get it literally on the 6th, but we'll see. You know, the appointments are crazy. But once everything's rolled out, I mean, it's only about to be April now and then like what? Like by like June, July we'll be feeling out there in the world fully and not having to be worried about things and everyone's going to be just so excited to get out there and date and things if they're not already dating and I don't know if there's going to be like a mass surge of breakups. You're talking about that too because I think a lot of people did You know, and I have friends that admit this. They're like, we started dating because of the pandemic. And like, it's not a bad thing. Like, I think a lot of people got closer because of the pandemic. They got to really see their partner in a light that they're like, okay, you know, if we can get through this, if we can live together and like be quarantined together for two weeks, 24-7, maybe that means we're in it for the long haul. But I think also there are going to be some couples that break up, whatever. Just sitting there talking about that. We're talking about getting back out there. I reactivated my dating apps and I'm, I'm back looking. I mean, not like not looking too hard, but I'm just I'm out there. I'm seeing what's adrift here in the city because it has been a hot second since I have dated in New York City. And the last date I went on in the city, or I guess the last like great date I went on, um, you know, just did not end in great, great terms in the sense of like, I just felt like my confidence totally zapped.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie, When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
1: So we were talking about just those sorts of things, like the rejection. Like, like dating's always it's fun, it's all fun and games, until you have to decipher like what does it mean when they send this text, or like what does it mean if they I got a DM a couple of days ago from one of you all, and I'm still sitting here thinking about it. Like she she said that one of her ex-boyfriends her ex boyfriend's new girlfriend requested to follow her on Instagram. And she's like, Katie, what does that mean? And I'm like, you know what? I have no idea. But that, I just, I don't know. I just don't think anything good can fr- come from that. Like, what does she want to be your friend or something? I don't know. It reminds me of like Sex in the City, like Miranda and Steve and Debbie and like that little triangle of things. It's like, do they want to be friends? Like, is that weird? I don't know. But alas, there's a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of like, a lot of stress that is. You know, it's exciting that things are going to be back to normal eventually and things are going to be crazy this summer and fun and whatever and a lot of fun times with your girlfriends and all the things, but also there's a lot of stress that comes along with that and Emma and I were sitting and talking about the fact that we are both very sensitive people. (laughs) Like Both of us are very, very similar in that way that we really analyze a lot and we are critical of ourselves and just a lot of things. Not to say other people aren't like that, obviously, but... We are both very similar in how we process it and how just certain things set us over the edge and certain things make us want to curl up in a ball and stay in our rooms and we really relate in that way. And I really encourage you guys, if you are someone that's relating to everything I'm saying right now and you're like, I am also very analytical, very sensitive, introspective, want to curl in a ball in my room and just hide from the world some days type of person, find someone else that's like that because I'm telling you, it is healing to have someone just to be like yes I feel that so hard and if I had plans with her and felt like I couldn't go for some reason just because I just was feeling not up to it I was just really in my head one day and just was not able to like she would fully understand and be like yeah I have those days too so highly encourage you to find friends like that even just one because naturally with friendships with relationships opposites do attract So I do have quite a few friends that I'm really (laughs) concerned (laughs) because they don't have those days as far as I've seen. I think everyone does, but you know what I mean. They're very – some of them just like are not always willing to share their emotions and things, which is totally fine. I think there is a misconception that everyone needs to, and I don't think everyone needs to. I I encourage – I always try to be that friend that's there if someone decides they want to, but I'm always, I guess, the friend also that is just very quick to share. I was actually, I was re-watching Sex and the City, which I actually forced Emma to start. Really jealous of her because she's actually never seen it, which I always feel that way about TV shows. If there's a really good show, I tell someone to watch if they've never seen it. I just feel like this little pang of jealousy because I'm like, oh, I've already seen it. I already know what happens. Like I wish I was watching it for the first time. Like I want someone to event someday, like not mind erasing like it's kind of scary but like tv show mind erasing so like I can just forget that I've seen it and like start from square one and watch watch with fresh eyes but I feel like that in the wrong hands would not be great anyway I digress so I was watching sex in the city and Emma and I were texting so I was, ta- I was starting from square one and I just noticed as I've been watching like from the beginning that Carrie is always the character that comes in to brunch with the girls and it's like Here's every thought in my head. Here's everything I've been thinking, everything I've been processing. And then on the other end of the spectrum it's Samantha who comes in and is like here's what I've been doing sexually and like all the f- she talks way more I don't want to say surface level because she she can be very deep sometimes in the seasons but for the most part it's pretty surface level what we get from her whereas Carrie's always fishing for something deeper. I think Miranda is always super she she gives really great advice. I think Miranda would be a really great friend to have. Charlotte is just kind of floating there somewhere in between all of that. But Carrie is always the one. I think in that sense, like I am similar to Carrie. I think Carrie's a pretty flawed character. So when people compare me to her, I do feel a little bit like no, I'm not Carrie. Like I am not her. She is a selfish girl. <laughs> she can't let her friends be happy. Um, she can't comment on you know Charlotte's engagement without talking about her breakup first. Like whatever. I digress though, because I do think Carrie and I are similar in that I am very quick to share my emotions always. I'm very quick to sit with my friends and be like, here is what's going on. Like I am, I am very, very good at that, I guess. I'm good at sharing. I've always been good at sharing. Hence, I have a whole freaking podcast every week where I share and I just word vomit and talk to you guys and somehow you like it. So I'm definitely one of those types of people, but I will admit like not everyone is like that. And we have to remember that, us sensitive people out there, us introspective, us people that can articulate how we feel, even if we don't exactly know how we feel, we can somehow still find the words, like not everyone is like that, and we have to remember that, so I'm constantly reminding myself of that, and anyway, but where I was going with this whole thing, so Emma and I were chatting about just the stress that the world revving back up can cause like of course we are really excited for things to resume and maybe even come back better than they were before like if that's even possible I know so much at least in the city has closed and has gone under Um, like one of my favorite restaurants I was it was so wild the other night I was like guys we should go to this place or whatever like I you know we're celebrating my my planner pad launch and my friends were like let's do something and I was like, oh, what about this place? And they're like, Katie, that place closed months ago. And I'm like, oh my God, what? So of course we have that. And it was really just tragic how many businesses have closed, how many people are suffering. But also I think a lot of us have a very, very renewed sense of what we need and being alone with ourselves for this long, being inside a lot of this time, being just stuck with certain people we have noticed, we have realized we have this new renewed sense of, of what we want. But even still, it's kind of overwhelming just even having the the opportunity to do all these things, like to travel again and like all this stuff. Like I think that there's going to be a surge of not only exciting things, but also a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of people really, really being afraid of their own thoughts, their own selves, And so, you know, us sensitive people out there, us people that don't do well with great change, that feel overwhelmed in certain situations, you know, if any of these are ringing bells for you, welcome to my world. That's very much how I am. I think the next few months to the end of the year is going to be kind of stressful for us. So we need to stick together. We need to realize that not only can there be maybe some fears, but there's also a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of good in being sensitive. And so I want to talk about that today. So anywho, I was really thinking last night after I parted ways with Emma and today when I was having a hard time this morning with just making things happen, I was thinking like, is sensitivity, being sensitive, is it learned? Is it something that is awarded to us at birth or is it something we develop over time? Is it something that our parents give us genetically or is it something that our parents might instill in us if we have very stressful, you know, helicopter-type parents or just people, I don't know, like is it something that we learn or is it something genetic, those sorts of things. And I classically just dove into all these things on the internet and I'm going to link a bunch of my sources and stuff, but I saw this, there was a study that went out June 2020 and it was done on identical twins and so they found that 47% of the differences Between the two, between the twins, insensitivity were due to genetics, and 53% of the differences in sensitivity were environmental. And so it's pretty 50/50. I think that it really just depends on the person. It depends on your upbringing. That's why a lot of times in therapy they'll ask you, you know, about your childhood, because a lot of, just a lot of who you are and how you act, the way you react to things there's usually a reason for it. But a lot of the time, that reason, whether it be genetics or whether it be your circumstances or the things you've been through, it's something you really can't change. You can't really control it. You definitely can work through it and find ways to cope and ways to, you know, not let it ruin your life and drive the car. But I think that I just have spent way too much of my life trying to reverse my sensitivity try to get rid of it try to just change myself and I guess be less sensitive but I think in doing that I've I've tried to change myself a little too much like what if I am just a sensitive person like Katie Bilotti is a sensitive person why do I want to change that about myself so much because honestly it's what I've really built my career around. Like, a lot of you guys are like, oh, yeah, Katie, she thinks a lot. She has all these these thoughts and she's articulating how she feels and she has a bad date and talks about it for 17 years. Like, I don't know. I guess it's one of those things where you, you love it or you hate it, take me or leave me. I mean, I'm certainly operating in that way of, like, I'm I'm going to take me now. I'm going to stop leaving me and take me and pick me oh my God, I feel like I'm in Grey's Anatomy, and just roll with it, okay? Because you can make lemonade out of lemons. And I think I can make lemonade out of a sensitive person like me. So anyway, back to the study I was talking about. There's some more interesting stuff there, some more nuggets. So the leader of the study... Michael Pluess is a professor of developmental psychology at Queen Mary University of London. And he said this about the study. He said, we know from previous research that around a third of people are at the higher end of the sensitivity spectrum. They are generally more strongly affected by their experiences. He goes on, because we now know that the sensitivity is as much due to biology as environment, it's important for people to accept their sensitivity as an important part of who they are. And consider it as a strength, not just as a weakness. And personally, I've learned to see value in my sensitivity. I mean, I always go back to my various Glennon Doyle quotes and tweets and things. I just love everything she does. She wrote Untamed, if you guys have ever seen that book, um, the rainbow cover. She said on Twitter recently, she said, Why do you cry so often? Like People ask her that. Why do you cry so often? And she said, as an answer, For the same reason I laugh so often. Because I'm paying attention. Because I'm paying attention. Oh my goodness. Iconic. So I've learned to see value in the ways that I am sensitive, the ways that I'm emotional, the ways that I really am introspective because it means I'm paying attention. And, you know, maybe I have this tendency to push it too far sometimes and see problems that don't exist or convince myself that a person feels a way that they don't feel at all and just invent things. But I also find value in being super aware, aware of myself, aware of other people, the possibilities of how things can go. I like this, thi- this part about me. And so, of course, it comes with problems sometimes. And sometimes things could be avoided if I just wasn't so much in this one way. But I don't know. I see value in it. And so this author, Daniel Saint, says, you cannot make everyone think and feel as deeply as you do. This is your tragedy because you understand them, but they do not understand you. And I do run into this sometimes as well. I'm sure if you guys are nodding your head with what I'm saying right now and I've been saying this whole episode, you're going to be like, yes, me too, because a lot of times with this sort of way that we are in the sense that sometimes we can be a little bit emotional and sensitive and all the things, the tragedy is that a lot of people that we can look in and understand people in a way. We can be very, like, analytical of them and considerate of them and sensitive to what they're going through, empathetic, all of the things. But if they don't understand us, if they don't want to try to understand us, they just won't be able to get there with you. and. They can try, certainly can, and, you know, like I did say earlier, opposites do attract in a lot of ways, and so I think I'm probably going to end up with someone as a partner someday that is just, you know, different than me in that way. I just feel like it's inevitable. I need someone to balance me out maybe. But, yeah, that is that is a tragedy, but it's also a challenge. It's also something that makes us different. I try to do everything with a soft, pure heart because it just makes me feel me, Okay. And when I was in Los Angeles living there for a bit, I didn't feel like it was easy for me to do that because I just felt like I, I was rejecting that part of me because I thought it wasn't strong, it was weak, you know, and, and I acted a lot of, a lot out of fear and I self-deprecated a lot. I called myself the worst sorts of names and I tore myself down, but yeah, I built myself up too afterwards. So I want to read you guys this, this blog entry from my first summer in New York City. This was in 2017 when I wrote this on my blog, the It's still live, but I haven't in, written an entry since 2018. I'm pretty sure it was my last entry, maybe. Um, but anyway, so I, I wrote this, po- this post and it was during my internship and I was just like, I don't even know, I think it was like probably a Sunday and I was sitting in the park and I was just typing away. On my computer in the park, like a total dweeb. But the post basically started out with me going back and forth about how to write get this, the perfect bumble message. Bumble message, guys. Just super analytical about this, even too. But why are we so worried? This is where it starts. Why are we so worried about being too much? When did that ever become a thing? As I write this post, I'm sitting on a bench in Washington Square Park. I chose the first seat that I saw, which just so happened to be facing a jungle gym infested with children. After about 17 minutes of sitting here just blatantly staring like a total creeper, I've come to some conclusions. The best and worst feature that children encompass is their filter or their lack thereof. Tiny humans express whatever comes to mind whenever it comes to mind. They might be seated next to you in a pew at church, But if something in their tiny brain says, I'm hungry, you bet your tiny cup of grape juice that the kid will make it known to not only everyone in the building, but also the heavens above. But never has a screaming, red-faced child paused to consider, hey, maybe I'm coming on a bit too strong with this. So when did we develop the fear of being too much? The answer to this question varies, but I believe that my concern stems for my crushing fear of rejection, which I began to experience the moment I got cut from the school production of Pinocchio. This was in elementary school. But if not for being cut from the play, I wouldn't have discovered how much I enjoy writing. If I'd never uncovered that joy, this blog wouldn't even exist. And even further, this is like an aside from me, yours truly, present day Katie. If I'd never started the blog, I wouldn't have learned how much I like getting my thoughts out and I wouldn't have started this podcast. So, anywho, back to Pinocchio. So, (laughs) plain and simple, here are some sentiments that we must practice. You will be too much for some people. Those are just not your people. You aren't too heavy. They are just too weak to carry you. You aren't too much. Can I say, being bold, being outspoken, acting quickly without considering all the details, it isn't the only way to live. So back to present, why, like when and why did we decide that this bold, outspoken, acting quickly, just being spontaneous, all the things like, why did we decide that that is, that is the sexy way to live? Is it because there's, there's more risk involved? Is it because there's more fear involved? I don't know, because I feel like when I sit here with my thoughts and I really think through everything I say on dating apps or everything I say to Like every message I send and everything I put on social media and all the content I was working on this morning that I felt were just not good enough and the vlogs I've not put out there because I'm overwhelmed with the possibility that they're not my best. You know, all of those things. Like, I think there's more fear in that sometimes than just acting, you know, on impulse. But who decided that that was like the cool way to live? Why can't giving what we do some thought, considering how it'll affect others, thinking about how others feel thinking about how we feel and if we really like if we really like something or if we're just pretending like just thinking about all the, the inner thoughts that we have and letting ourselves feel those sensitive reactions to things and letting ourselves cry letting ourselves be emotional why can't we give that a bit of credit you know why can't we be anything why why is that deemed the not so great version of things I don't know but <laughs> I, I of course you need to throw in a Taylor Swift reference here There is one song on her new album, Evermore, that I felt so drawn to when it first came out, and it's called It's Time to Go. It's definitely not the top song on the album. I think it was released in the deluxe version, so it wasn't even in the the initial drop, but it was my total just anthem as I was leaving LA, especially the line where Taylor goes, sometimes giving up is the strong thing. Giving up is the strong thing, and here's a bit more. I'm going to... Read you guys a bit more of the lyrics. So it says, that old familiar body ache, the snaps from the same little breaks in your soul. You know when it's time to go. Sometimes giving up is the strong thing. Sometimes to run is the brave thing. Sometimes walking out is the one thing that will find you, the right thing. And you know in your soul when it's time to go. How does that relate? So I, don't, I just don't think it's all black and white. I think something that is empowering and so unbelievably right for one person isn't going to always be like that for another person. And that is quite all right. And so, if you are one of those people like me who feels things super deeply, even sometimes in a way that it's uncomfortable and that other people are uncomfortable by and will ultimately ruin some relationships you have, you know, if you are like that, you can't feel guilt, okay? You can't feel guilt for that because that is just how you're wired. Sensitive people, I feel like, do suffer, okay? They they sometimes necessarily, sometimes unnecessarily suffer because we love so deep, we feel so deep, we hurt, we love, we live with this full spectrum of colors and textures and lights and beauty and It is one of those things where it's it's a gift and a curse, but it's who we are. And I've learned that I can let myself think and feel and process and analyze and all the things and just be like that. Take me or leave me, okay? And there's going to be people who will leave me. And that is quite all right as long as I don't leave myself in the process. There's a quote that I saw on Instagram that was actually reposted by one of my favorite people ever, Drybar founder, Ali Webb. And it was said by this man who just looks like he's smart. I I don't know his background, but Dr. Daniel G. Amen. And he said this, and, and Ali Webb reposted it, and I just love everything she posts. She said, or he said, rather, If you focus on loss, you will feel grief. If you focus on fear, then you will feel afraid. If you focus on being belittled, you feel small. If you focus on those who have hurt you, you will feel angry. Where you bring your attention always determines how you feel. And the key word here is focus. And I sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but I get so tunnel-visioned, so overwhelmed sometimes the one thing that... You know, was going on that isn't even that huge and that crushing. Like this morning, I was so hard on myself on you know for not getting things done, and I was like, this is gonna just ruin my whole week because me not getting things done this morning means I can't get the things done this afternoon I was supposed to do, and then from there I just snowball into a point of I'm the worst influencer ever. I'm the worst podcaster. I'm the worst human. There's a reason why I'm not employed by a corporate. You know, company, it's like, I I just, I had this snowballing of like, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, I'm the worst. It's hate on Katie Day, courtesy of Katie. And it's all because of what I was focusing on. If I'm focusing on something that hasn't even happened yet then of course, you know, I'm going to feel this way. Like I just, I need to be more present in those moments and do the thing where I just sit. I've told you guys this before. This is my, how I kind of snap myself out of those moments because as someone who does think very deeply about things, even when I probably shouldn't because it's bad for my health, I still do. And so what I do to kind of ground myself, bring myself back into the present moment of what's actually happening, I just, wherever I'm sitting or standing or walking or whatever, I just plant myself firmly wherever I am and just focus on something in front of me or something, you know, a ring on my hand or a piece of hair or just something that, you know, is so like just present and so, so, so not moving in this moment. Like it is it is what it is right now and it's not going to fly away. It's just, it's there. It's rooted. It's there because me latching onto that and just focusing on that one thing redirects me repositions me in a, a different direction, in a better, more grounded, aware, but not so imaginative in the sense of like, me imagining everything that could go wrong from here. It's not so negative, you know, not so pessimistic. I don't know, I think as a sensitive person, it is easy to fall into the, the point of no return in terms of just being super pessimistic and always thinking everything's gonna go wrong, you know, things might go wrong. Sure. They might just totally crash and burn and you might totally fail whatever you're working on. But they also could be the thing that you look back and credit as like, yeah, and that's, that's when my life changed or, and that's when I started seeing my worth. And that's when I started, was when I learned that this thing that I like is, is my, my it thing, my career, my just absolute life changer. And so you got to give those things some credit and you know, not, not fear them so much and be so pessimistic. So that is what I am telling myself, ladies and gentlemen, that is what I'm trying to do. So anywho, that was my episode, guys. That was my love letter to fellow sensitive people out there. Um, you're going to feel too much some days, like you are too much. You're going to feel also on other days, like you're not enough, Like, one day I'll feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a a freaking nut. No one's going to care about all these things I care about. And I am just thinking too much. And, like, I am ruining a good thing before it even happens. And I can't be friends with people just naturally because of this thing and my overthinking and all this stuff. But then also I wake up some days and I feel like none of my, my projects are doing well. And I'm just pissed at everything. And I feel a bunch of those emotions all the time. And a lot of times I blame myself for it I beat myself up I just wish that I was a little bit less analytical and introspective and just let go a bit more and just could just just do things without thinking so much all the time but that's just not me and it's okay because there's so much value in being someone who cares deeply and who thinks a lot and who processes things a little differently than some people and I'm learning to love that about myself because a lot of people that I know personally love that about me and see that as something that they wish they had. So always consider that something that you hate about yourself. I mean, this is kind of a no-brainer. Like, people do know this is a thing, but a lot of times you you think it's like, oh, yeah, it's my the, the freckle I have above my eye. And no, it's, sometimes it's, it's not that, that people are like, oh, I wish I had that. And sometimes it's your, your mind. Sometimes it's your crazy, Okay. That people wish they had. And so don't lose that because it's invaluable. It's part of you. And it's something that people should stop fighting so much, the sensitivity gene, okay? It's, it's something that is super valuable once you just let it in and let yourself be and say, take it or leave it, <laughs> this is me. Okay, so that's it for this episode, guys. I swear if one more motorcycle goes by, I'm going to lose it. I did not realize so many people in New York City had motorcycles. I just did not know this about the city. But I must go. I have to go um, and continue eating my cookie dough. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I'll talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.